Hello, I'm Rich Terring. I never listen to Nerdology <laughs> because I am way too cool. But carry on listening, nerds. This is Mark, and welcome to episode 15 of Nerdology, sponsored by CSO. My very special guest today is Mr. Declan May. Hey, Declan. Hello. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me on. Well, thanks for coming on. Um, for anyone who's not au fait with your, uh, your infamy, tell us a little <laughs> bit about what you do. Um, I am a writer. I'm mostly a comedy writer, writing for uh, TV and radio programs, um, also a script writer. But mainly, I write comedy programs, especially um, the most recent thing I've worked on is something called Monumental, which was on BBC One, Northern Ireland, so not the proper BBC. But I've still been recording it and enjoying it. It's been very good. Thank you very much. You're the only one. <laughs> and um, I am that one. I, you are that one. You're that um, lone viewer <laughs> in in England. No, I make the wife watch you. it as well. Okay, <laughs> those two people in England have watched the TV program I worked on, and I'm currently working on a couple of. Um, They're top secret TV. projects, aren't they? Top secret projects. Yeah, really top secret exciting projects like um, another series of Monumental and <laughs> a couple of top secret film projects, yeah. but nothing, nothing really important. I'm not working on Doctor Who. That's my ultimate ambition, to work on Doctor Who, but uh, I'll have to wait until... So thanks the to the wonders of podcasting, if you're listening to this in, say, two or three years' time, you may well be listening to someone who is a scriptwriter for Doctor Who. Well, either that or a scriptwriter's assistant for EastEnders. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> but in, in any case, no, I'm, I'm, I'm currently wor working on a... I don't know if I... No, I can say it because it's sort of public domain. I'm currently working on a screenplay for a mm, popular <laughs> European comic book character and mm. they're making a, a film version of this popular European comic book character. It's not Tintin, it's the other one. Okay, yeah, I, I think I've worked it out, possibly. <laughs> but have you, dear listener? Ah. So you mentioned EastEnders there in passing. That may crop up again in this conversation. Oh, my God, it will. Mm. It will crop up again. And I'll tell you a horrible story about that when we come to the time. Oh, that sounds like it could be interesting. So <laughs> I've, I've dragged Declan on to talk about the uh, Doctor Who anniversary stories because this year, as you will very well know if you've listened to this podcast enough mm. times, is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. So we thought it'd be fun to look back at the previous anniversary stories and uh, give them a little bit of a critique and, and talk about what we love about them, what's yeah. not so good about them. Uh, before we get started on that, as you may have noticed, right at the start, we mentioned CSO, which is our new sponsor. 
It's, yeah, well, what, is, what is PSO? Oh, thanks, Declan. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's a fanzine. It's created by the very talented Scott Burdett, who is also responsible for such works as Fan Wanak. Mm. Try saying that when you've had a few. Um, I, I have tried. <laughs> uh, it's a, a very cool fanzine. Um, when I used to get fanzines when I was much, much younger, you tended to expect them to be pretty basic. Print quality wasn't that great. Um, mm -hmm. Some cool stuff in them, but a very sort of basic booklet. Whereas this is a proper magazine. You know, it's really nice quality paper. They've got some great people writing as well. So it's still, you know, fans but there are fans and there are fans and there's some really great writers in there um the first issue went on sale not too long ago and they've had all sorts of cool stuff in there they had lost in space lots of cult stuff wow. like quatermass doom watch um so it's well worth a read so that that ends this commercial plug for scott Burdett's empire just just, just a question question about that mm. if you don't mind mark but yeah I don't know if you, whenever, whenever you were younger, whenever they were more popular, whenever you got a fanzine, mm. didn't they used to just, I don't know about you, but for me, they used, always used to come in like sort of photocopied yeah. paper, stapled, mm. you know, like uh, just A4 sheets stapled together, uh, black and white, um, but the quality was always great, you know, you always used to get sort of interesting tidbits, especially the Doctor Who ones. I used to get a Doctor Who one back in the, I think in the early 90s. I can't remember mm -hmm. the title, but it used to like give you episode guides and tell you about the, mm -hmm. the, the latest Virgin New Adventure or Missing Adventure or, you know, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. is, is, this, is this the same sort of thing? This, this, uh, this is um, very much a, well, it's like a regular magazine that you go into your newsagents and pick up. Um, so it's, mm, it's you know mm. it's a, a a much more professional looking thing than I would have considered to be a fanzine all those years ago. So um, check it out if you want to know a bit more about it. If you go to uh, csofanzine.blogspot.co.uk, you'll be able to see uh, all the info on there, and uh, it's well worth looking at. And hopefully, Scott might get a few readers out of this. I think he will. It looks fantastic. It looks fantastic. I tell you what as well, you know, it's like fanzines were the, the internet in the pre-internet era. Yeah, really. very much so. That's all, that's all we had, you know, there was, not, not just for Doctor Who, but for everything from music, for cinema, everything, you know, it was, you know, a fanzine, you know, you, you subscribe to a fanzine, you send off your, I don't know what it was, mm -hmm. seven pound postal order. And you got a fanzine sent to you, and you know this. This is uh, sort of keeping in the spirit of that. It looks fantastic. I still somewhere up in my parents' loft at their house have probably a good five years worth of a fanzine called When Skies Are Grey, which will have no interest to you whatsoever because you're not really much what of a sports that? fan. It's an Everton okay. fanzine. Oh, Everton! Yeah, and it was oh. a really good read because. The official kind of match day program would be great. It would give you all the sort of stats and stuff, but it was very dry, bit boring. Whereas this would not really pull any punches, and they just say what they thought, and it was a good read. I don't know if it's still going, but uh, 
But yeah, that was but one. I, I wonder how many of those fans, people who worked for that, what, what did you call it? When skies are great. Yeah. What's it called? When skies are great. When skies are. I wonder how many of them went on to become. I don't know whatever proper sports reporters or journalists. Yeah, or it's a good you kind know, of test bed, isn't it, for someone who's looking into get into writing? Absolutely. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of the old um, Doctor Who Appreciation Society fans. Well, they weren't really fans since they were newsletters, yeah. but a lot of the old Doctor Who Appreciation Society publications, then that, that spawned, what was it, DWB? I think that was the magazine, yeah. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. And then that became Dreamwatch, am I right? Oh, I don't know, you're, you're going a little bit outside it, of my it, it, wealth of knowledge. I, I, no, 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 I, <laughs> I'm just guessing, but it started as a Doctor Who fanzine, then yeah. became a Doctor Who, not a magazine, but Doctor Who publication then became a general sci-fi mm-hmm. magazine it was around the same time as tv zone and starburst oh, yeah starburst of course is still going starburst it, i think it, who who are they Star, starburst the starburst they were a, a, a 1970s progressive <laughs> rock group the starburst you know you remember their album <laughs> Take us to the sun, we'll never forget it again. Oh my God, I'm going to die. That was it. No, there was Starburst and um, TV Zone and Dreamwatch. Mm. And they sort of covered all of science fiction. Um, But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Dreamwatch started as a Doctor Who fanzine. Please write in and say I reckon Sucky Kark will know the answer to that one because he knows everything. Well, I tell you what, the thing about these fanzines, I mean, there's the, the New Zealand fanzine, the Doctor Who New Zealand fanzine, I can't remember what it's called, mm-hmm. uh, by Paul Schoons, I think his name is. Yeah, he's, that name is a uh, Yeah, he's he's recently written a, a, a book about the Doctor Who comic strips, the pre-Doctor Who magazine, Doctor right. Who comic strips, oh, you know, yeah. like in uh, Century 21 and yeah. all those sort of things. He he ran the, the the New Zealand Doctor Who Society. I'm sorry, I can't remember the name exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that fanzine lasted for quite a few years, but that that spawned so many things. I mean, um, Paul Scruggs himself wrote a novelization of Sharda. Oh right. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the city. City of Death. He wrote yeah, because they didn't get a, they didn't fans. get a target release, did they? There's no target release, mm. so that that's fans doing stuff, and and they've gotten places. You know, I mean, uh, Paul Schoon's okay. He's recently released this book mm-hmm. um, about the Doctor Who comic strips, but also Paul Schoon's is mentioned in an episode of Doctor Who. Really? Yeah. Uh, That's a claim to episode. Well, I assume it's a, it's not a common name. You would admit. No, Scoons. that's true. S C O O N E S. I think hmm. the next Doctor. Do you remember the yeah, next yeah. Doctor with David Marcy? And, uh, yeah, with uh, David Marcy and uh, Dervla Kerwin's playing Miss Hart. Hartigan. Hartigan? Yeah, she's standing by the graveside and the Cybermen attack, but. She's, she shouts the names of a certain number of... Ah, okay. Part of, she says, Mr. X, Mr. Y, Mr. Schoons, <laughs> stay where you are. 
and they're the ones who are transformed in the sort of cyber ah, yeah, yeah. slave. Do you remember that? Yeah, the sort of Dickensian Cybermen. Dickensian Cybermen. <laughs> but Schoons is one of them. Now, ah. it's not a name you would come up with off the top of your head. No, it's kind, it's, of, uh, it's kind of up there with Grimwade Syndrome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Grimwade Syndrome. Schoons Syndrome. <laughs> but there, there you go. I mean, and fa- you know, fans bleed into you know uh, the new the new adventures. These were all fans who wrote the new adventures. Paul Cornell. I mean, yeah, they, they, the new adventures spawned so many new who uh, people now. You know, you've got Cornell, you've got Russell T Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's lots of names in there. So yeah, it's uh, it's a um, a good starting point, I think, for someone who wants to get into writing. I think it is. I mean, even in terms of, I mean, what what you're doing, podcasting and all that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I think Doctor Who, or I suppose you could say any sci-fi, I hate to use the word, but franchise mm-hmm. or property. Yeah, property, yeah. It's Bond's creativity. I mean, you look at the, the, the fan fiction that came out of, Harry Potter mm-hmm. or Twilight. Okay, it's not my cup of tea, but it's valid. Yeah, you know that that spawned Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, okay, again, yeah. not my cup of tea or a cup <laughs> of uh, cup of whatever. Um, <laughs> Doctor Who did the same thing and continues to do the same thing. People who perhaps in the past weren't interested or didn't know much about writing for a character or writing for TV or mm. being interested in another world, they suddenly sat down, wrote their own stories, wrote their own articles. And I think that's... Well, I mean, I only got into writing because I I read Doctor Who novelizations or watched Doctor mm-hmm. Who or, or seen the behind-the-scenes videos or just wanted to be part of that world. I think, I think it, it, it provokes creativity without sounding too pretentious no i think that's a very valid point there's a uh, podcast which sadly no longer exists uh called bridging the rift which mm. was very mm-hmm. much about uh fan creativity and uh, it's a shame because it was a really good show so if you're listening out there guys maybe we could have a reunion show for the 50th anniversary of doctor who so you, you have to know it's been said on the internet <laughs> That makes it official. Anyway, we're digressing here slightly. We were going to talk about the anniversary stories, weren't we? Yes, yes, we were. So if we're going to start, we're going to do this chronologically, we really got to start Mm. with the three doctors. Yes, the three doctors. When's the last time you saw that, Mark? I actually dug out the DVD the other day because we were discussing doing this. So I hadn't Mm. watched it for a little while. And yes, it's a bit wobbly. And the effects aren't the greatest even for the time they weren't cutting edge but there's a mm. lot to like in it oh god yeah it, i mean it's 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 a it's wonderful it's a beautiful package i mean it's and for me as a kid um i don't know we were talking before we started recording about um regional variations on bbc one. Oh god yeah now as a kid growing up in england we had uh, a whole series of programs called The Five Faces of Doctor Who, which was something that they came up with when uh, Peter Davison took over. And they figured it would be a good way to introduce 
to the sort of kids watching at that point, the fact that there'd been other doctors and I don't know whether it was an idea to try and sort of ease them into the new one. So they decided they'd show mm. stories from each of the previous doctors. And yeah. the three doctors was one of those. And at that age, I was aware that they'd been previous doctors, even though Tom was the only one that I'd seen on screen. And okay. we mentioned before about the Target novels. I'd been snaffling those up pretty voraciously. And so I'd already got a bit of an idea of Troutman and Hartnell and Pertwee. Um, yeah. So for me, it was just fantastic. Because back then, I think what a lot of younger listeners may not really get is that you didn't really get repeats very often back then at all. So, and go on. You, if you did get repeats, so, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, if you did get repeats, they were, I mean, how would we know when they were on, okay, we did the Radio Times mm. or the, the newspaper, but you'd, you'd sort of stumble across them, really, rather than them being yeah. signalled in advance, yeah. you know? I, I mean, they, was... they did hype this one up a bit. Uh, I think they did. Yeah. I, I remember yeah. them advertising it mm. a lot. So, for yeah, for me as a kid, watching those shows that they put out, this was one of them, it was great. And it's the chance to see, particularly this one, because it was the chance to see Trout and in colour, um, alongside Pertwee. So obviously, as a young kid, that was just fantastic, you know, to see all three of them, sadly. Is that the first you'd seen of Triton? Ooh, um, they showed the Crotons in that season. Yeah, um, that's right. But yeah. that's, yeah, that was about it for Troughton. I mean, I, I remember, I mean, I, I, I don't remember the five faces of Doctor Who mm. because I think I was... It was 1980, wasn't it? Uh, 1981? Yeah, it would have been... It was just before yeah. Castrovalva. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, I think... Yeah, 81. Yeah, that's right. And I, I, I don't remember watching that because um, I was only two at the time. Oh, but, you're making me um, feel old now. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I remember you sitting me on your knee and saying, <laughs> you need to watch this. And that was only last week. I remember week. saying, who's that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your, your, your hands were everywhere. I know, I couldn't um, help myself. I know, I know, I shouldn't have got the implant. <laughs> um, no, all, all I remember is that the five faces of Doctor Who, whenever I really got into Doctor Who, everyone talked about this. Mm. I mean, when I say everyone, I mean... Fans of a certain age. Doctor Who, fans of a certain age, the Doctor Who magazine, the fanzines, because I used to subscribe to fanzines. But everyone always says that the first time that they saw three doctors, and it was, well, for most people, it was in color. A lot of people still have black and white TVs back in 1981. I mean, we certainly had a black and white television Mm -hmm. back in 1981. But a lot of people said, ah, okay, that's the first time I got into Doctor Who. Okay, they'd seen the Crotons, and I think before that, they'd seen the Mutants. Uh, not the mutants, what's it called? Uh, the Hartnell one that they had. Ooh, uh, I'm trying to think now. Was it the Dalek one, the first Dalek story? They had um, an unearthly child. An unearthly child, but didn't they follow it up with something? Did they do. I think they had an unearthly child, um, the Crotons, and they had two Pertwees. They had Carnival of Monsters and they had the Three Doctors. Yeah, it was the three doctors, I think, that for a lot of 
fans or audience in general for the first time, mm. they were like, okay, this is a, this is a story with a legacy, with a past. And I mean, I remember the first time I saw the three doctors, I think I was 11 or 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember this, I saw the three doctors before I saw the five doctors. Yeah. So I already got the fact that doctors could meet, but I remember saying that and thinking, yeah, okay, it's the same guy, it's the same story, mm-hmm. it's the same man, but split into three pieces or whatever mm-hmm. way you look at it. And it was sort of, I don't know, it, it's the first legacy story. It's the first story you can say, this is marking a legacy. This is marking something important. Yeah. They probably didn't envisage that at the time. They probably... It was the 10th anniversary. No, it wasn't even the 10th anniversary. It was in the 10th season, they, wasn't it? Well, wasn't I it? think they planned to record it in season 9 and then hold it back for season 10. And then there was some kind of problem with how that season was panning out. So they had to push that back to season 10. But then, yeah, yeah I think you're right. I think it got broadcast at the end of 72 and it kind of went just into January 73. of 73. Because, I mean, can you, I mean, that's the first time they possibly could have done that. That's yeah. the first, I mean, obviously it's the first time they could have done it with three Doctors. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine, I'm okay, let's say the fifth anniversary of Doctor Who, <laughs> which would have been 1968. Yeah. Middle of, what would have been the story? Well, anyway, it would have been Triton. Mm-hmm. Imagine the, the two Doctors, it wouldn't have worked. I think what works for me in this story is the that dynamic between Troughton and Pertwee. It's fantastic. Yeah. I could watch that forever. Yeah, I could. I mean, I think that's the best thing about it. I mean, even the fact that Hartnell isn't there. Essentially, it's like a, a dandy, a clown, and half a Hartnell. Well, you know, I mean, he was it, a very it, ill man at the time. He was very ill. And that whole thing about it being recorded in his... He recorded his bits in his own garage. That's no, not true. they went I to only Elstree. Found out recently. Where did they go? I think they went to Elstree to do that. Oh, I didn't Elstree know that. Elstree Studios, I, well, yeah. So, I mean, I suppose maybe they'll address that in the um, mm. an adventure in space and time. I don't know. Very possibly. But, um, very possibly. But the thing is that what fascinates me about that is that's the first time they've acknowledged. Okay, this is the same guy, mm-hmm. but it's three different versions of him. It's yeah. three incarnations. I mean, okay, that's groundbreaking. Yeah. We, we, we look at it as a three doctor story. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's three doctors over there, but we sometimes I think we seem to forget we, we don't take on board the fact that these are the three doctors together. Mm-hmm. They're, they're acknowledging this, they're acknowledging it's the same guy three times over. Mm-hmm. And I think that's. As a kid, it just Pretty blows exciting. you away. And you just, uh... It blows you away. I mean, even even if you have a rudimentary knowledge of Doctor Who, everyone knows, okay, he changes his face, mm-hmm. he changes his body. But that, the three Doctors together, that was pretty cool. And as you said, the interplay between uh, Pertwee and Triton, mm-hmm. I don't know if in real life they really, how they got on. They seem to get on. Well, I've heard stories, admittedly, yeah, you could always take this with a pinch of salt, but I get the impression that John Pertwee is very much a straight guy, and as much as he wanted to 
do it exactly as it was in the script. And mm. he, I don't think he dealt very well with any kind of deviation from that. Whereas Patrick Troughton was very well, playful and wanted to kind of improvise. And I don't think that went down too well. He was, a, I think Troughton was more of a instinctual actor. Mm. He just sort of played off the scene however he saw fit. You know, he, he played off the other actors. But I heard the story, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm. that originally the case... There was gonna, there were gonna be Jamie and Zoe in the story. That's right. Did you hear that? Yeah, Fraser Hines couldn't do it because he was contracted to Emmerdale Farm as it was back then. Emmerdale now. Ah, okay. So his uh, lines effectively went to Benton. So Benton was Jamie essentially, but he yeah. was he was the foil. Yeah, he was the, the sidekick. The sidekick. Well, what I, I heard as well that. You know, it was suggested to John Pertwee or John Pertwee, as some people call him, <laughs> that, um, you know, we're going to bring in some ex-companions, mm -hmm. uh, Zoe, maybe even Ben and Polly. Yeah. And uh, Pertwee vetoed it. He said no. He said it won't work well in story terms. But I think what Pertwee meant was it won't work well for Pertwee. Yeah. That's what I... I think in fairness, because he was the doctor at the time, you know, I think you've got to pay a little bit of respect to your Absolutely. leading man. And he does have to be, you know, the main part of the story. But of course, you've got these other two great actors, albeit William Hartnell at that point was quite ill. I think they'd originally planned Dave Martin and Bob Baker were the writers. They'd mm. written an initial script which had Hartnell much more involved in what was going on. And it's only partway through writing that they realised that he really wasn't well enough to do it. So they had to do a fairly hasty rewrite, which, as you say, ended up with him really just having a little cameo. And that was really about it. Yeah, essentially. And because the only part I could see Hartnell being in it is that the the bits in Omega's or Omega's lair? Mm -hmm. That's the only part I could see Hartnell being involved. If he was to be involved more. Well, my memory you might know, be cheating here, but I seem to remember talk of a different script, in as much as um, it the opening was going to be set in a graveyard, and mm, death yeah, was going to be playing yeah. chess, and you'd have three kings on the board. And uh, so I think oh it was quite God. a different story, and they just kind of adapted it and and kind of changed elements of it in order to, to suit um, what was to become this story. And I think also there were some concerns about zombies and graveyards not necessarily being the sort of <laughs> stuff for tea time telly for kids. Well, what, what I learned is that the o Omega or Omega... Mm -hmm. I, I, what, what's the proper pronunciation, Mark? I don't know. Oh, it's whatever you want to call him. I, I think it's... Well, I think they call him... Omega in the in the story. Omega. I don't know, I don't know. They could have they could have called the whole serial Omega, Omega <laughs> Three. Oh God! That would have been perfect. Um, <laughs> no, but what I heard originally that he was going to be called Om O H M. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I read that as well. Which is which is who upside down. Mm. That was the Clever. whole sort of original storyline. It was going to be called O H M mm -hmm. Om, who upside down. But I think that resurfaced somewhere. I think it's some book. I can't remember. But in any case, um, 
the the fact of okay, if you ever notice whenever you watch that story, mm-hmm. whenever it goes back to the Time Lord planet scenes, yeah. whenever they go back to the still it's never it's not named Gallifrey, yeah, is it? It's not Gallifrey. That's what I was coming <laughs> to. It's not Gallifrey. It's never Gallifrey. Until when is it the Time, time Warrior? Uh, the time Warrior? Yeah. The Time Warrior. Who made that up? Who 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 wrote the Time Warrior? That's Robert Holmes. That's Robert Holmes. Mm-hmm. So Gallifrey essentially is his creation because yeah. he followed that up with the dead, uh, deadly assassins. Yeah, I don't think he liked the way that they were portrayed in the uh, the previous ones. They looked a bit pompous and what have you. So he thought he'd go for a slightly different take and have them as really corrupt politician types. But in the previous story, in the the, the last story that I'm trying to think of appearances of the Time Lords. Okay, you'd won in Terror of the Autumns, the one in the Buller yeah. Hat. And then previous to that, you had the War Games. Yeah. Is that right? Am I right when I yeah, say I that? Think, uh, I maybe I possibly not getting this right. I think it goes War Games, then Three Doctors, and then I don't think until Terror of the Autumns. JR's probably going to be listening to this and going, oh, you idiots, J- J- it's J- this story. <laughs> <laughs> it was serial 7B.1. <laughs> no, um, the thing is that my, my problem is with the Time Lords, and we'll come on to this later when we talk more about the anniversary special. Mm. I think the Time Lords are the least interesting part of any Doctor Who story. And I think that's why Russell T. Davis wanted to leave them out of the, the new show. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can understand. It's like when you have Superman right? Mm-hmm. You've got Superman who is meant to be the most amazing man on the planet. Yeah, He's superhuman. He's got all these powers. But then you introduce Supergirl and Superwoman and Superboy and Crypto the Superdog. Yeah. It sort of takes away from Superman. Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way with the Time Lords. Yeah. In these, in these earlier stories, okay, the Time Lords are still a bit outside. They're still a bit even in the three doctors, the monitoring, they get a power drain. Yeah. Earth gets a power drain. But they're still not they're not necessary to the plot. It could be anyone else, yeah. you know. It could have been a moon base who suffered a power drain. Yeah. And the second doctor just happened to come along. Or something like that. Yeah. All I all I think is that the Time Lords became too much of a part of the mythos, too much a part of the yeah. story. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? Well, I, I think this may have been said on another podcast that I've featured on that uh, by the end of Pertwee's era, they've kind of really taken all the mystique out of the Doctor's character. They've explained where he comes from. They've shown you where he's uh, from. They've shown you the culture and what have you. So it's, yeah... Uh, I think Russell T. Davis did the right thing by omitting them. Yeah, you got the master who comes in, which is great foil for the Doctor, but I think having him as the last time Lord works far better for a modern audience. One other thing Absolutely. I, I think on this story, which I I can't see them really doing at this point in time, is for, a, albeit the first anniversary story, they avoided the temptation for, to go for something like the Daleks or the Cybermen, so they go for that's true. Omega, yeah, yeah. And could you really see them doing that this time? Go for a completely new character. 
Or, yeah, exactly. Imagine on the 50th anniversary, they have Matt Smith and, say, David Tennant facing Magaforth, the new Time Lord villain. Okay, no one's ever heard of Magaforth before. I just made the name up. <laughs> copyright. But, copyright. If they do use Magaforth, whatever the hell that means, that's my copyright. But imagine they do that and everyone goes... Where, where did that come from? Yeah. Why not have the 10th and 11th Doctor fight against the Daleks mm -hmm. or, my God, against the Cybermen or whatever? What I think is that this story works well in the Pertwee era. It works well in the units stuck on Earth and story arc yeah if you want to look at it like that that's the end, the end of the arc isn't it because after the three doctors he gets his uh tardis back doesn't he gets his freedom yeah essentially mm. after his prison sentence and well by the way what, what is it that he can't remember because he knows the tardis you know it, it, he's been deprived of the secret of time travel he's been, he they take away it? his the uh, that vital i forget what it's called now the is it the time space something or other, the little the, sort the, of gadgety thing that's missing from the console, and then they yeah. restore his his memory of coordinates and things like that. But that's yeah, it. it's a sort of like a, a block, an amnesiac, uh, a block that he can't access that part of his brain yeah. where all the information is, and then they give that back to him. But yeah, what what what's astounding about the three doctors when you actually look at it when you look at it from afar mm. you realize this is the first time okay this series is just 10 years old i mean okay we're two years off the new series being 10 years old yeah when you think about it kind of gives okay, it a bit of perspective so, doesn't it it does and imagine saying the the 10th anniversary of the new run if I, I, I talk about it like that, since mm. Christopher Eccleston came back, yeah. Russell T. Davis, and they did a story where you had uh, Matt Smith, David Tennant, and on a monitor, Christopher Eccleston. <laughs> I like your thinking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Imagine they do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's going to be people who are watching it who are going to have no idea who the hell Christopher Eccleston is? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Right? So they're going to want to tell a good story. Mm. They want to tell a good adventure story. They'll maybe have a... The way of the world now is everyone, but with the internet and with everything, everyone knows who the past doctor, who the last doctor was, mm -hmm. the doctor before that was. Yes, we can look that up. But back in 1973, we didn't have, have that luxury, you yeah. know? We didn't have that. So say they do this, they do this uh, anniversary with uh, with Smith and Tennant and Eccleston on the, on the monitor. And there's going to be people wondering, who's that guy? Who's that northern git on the, on the TARDIS monitor? Apologies right? to our northern listeners. <laughs> yes, especially those who, who come from Manchester. Or Salford, or wherever the hell he's from. Um, you need to have a good story to justify that. And what I wonder is, is The Three Doctors a good enough story to justify all of that? 
as you say, I think it works within that period. But if you're looking to pick you know, the ultimate episode of Doctor Who, I'm not sure that would really rank very highly in that list. No, no. I mean, it's a beautiful episode. I love it. I mean, yeah, I I, a beautiful series. I absolutely love it. But not for the reasons I thought I would. I mean, I, I, I rewatched it recently because we were doing this. Mm-hmm. And the things that I liked about it were nothing to do with the were nothing to do with the multi doctor aspect. No, I don't know if you felt the same. I think um, it's more about the. For me, it's more about the characterizations and the. For instance, you've got the the brigadier. I think comes into his own quite well in this one. Mm, where very much so. He's convinced very they've gone to so. Chroma. Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. And meeting up with Pat Troughton's doctor again, and it's just little moments. It's it's a it's a collection of little moments that yeah. tick all the boxes of sad fanboys like me who, you know, want to be able to see all those guys together, and it it works on that level. And I think I think it's a fun Very story. Very much so. It, it's a fun story. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense. No. But it's a fun story, and I think. I suppose we'll come on to this afterwards, but I almost prefer the way it's treated there to the way it is in the Five Doctors. Okay, it's well, since you, since you brought it up, let's let's talk about the Five Doctors. Okay, okay. Oh God! Did you watch this when it went out, or I watched it when it came out, and I, I well, we talked about this mm. uh, before we started recording the podcast. I, I I live in Northern Ireland, and I was. What, 1983? I was six or seven at the time. Pretty much and, a perfect age. Yeah, well, the perfect age, and it was part of Children in Need. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember so looking forward to it because I'd seen things about it. I'd read, I'd read things in the Radio Times. Yeah, they had that special newspaper. edition, didn't they? They had a special edition. Mm-hmm. My God. Oh, and also. After this, can we go back to the uh, the uh, anniversary edition, the tenth anniversary edition of the Radio Times? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the they they went on about this uh, twenty all the doctors all together mm-hmm. and Peter Davison. Okay, a bit of context about three or four weeks before that, maybe maybe even two months before that, I wrote off to the BBC and asked for photographs from Doctor Who. Helped by my dad. My dad obviously wrote the letter. I was six or seven. It was probably a scroll. Mm-hmm. And I got sent these photographs, publicity photographs, of Tegan and Turlow. Mm-hmm. And even though she wasn't in the show at the time, I had a photograph of Nisa. Oh, sweet. And Peter Davison. Mm-hmm. None of them were signed, the buggers. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I got these photographs in a BBC envelope with a BBC stamp on them. And I was so happy, so proud. So I was sitting in front of the TV that night when Children in Need was on with my Doctor Who publicity photos. Oh, that's a really cool Doctor story. Who's... Well, it's it's absolutely true, but it gets it gets sadder because <laughs> counting down Doctor Who's going to be on in five minutes. We're going to be showing the the new twentieth anniversary episode of Doctor Who. So, so for you guys outside the UK, you may not know what this is about. Children in Need is a uh... A charity that the BBC do a yearly live telethon for, 
and ironically it's hosted by an irishman <laughs> uh, so yeah it's this live show and of course they'll be building up the the excitement about it and they'll keep on saying you yeah, pledge your money pledge your money and it's coming up in five minutes you'll get really excited so carry on declan so got really excited it's going to be on in five minutes terry wogan standing there oh 25 minutes till doctor who's on or whatever he said mm -hmm. i'm paraphrasing so i'm so excited i can't wait i've been waiting for this for weeks comes to the time doctor who's going to be on and now for viewers in northern ireland we're going back to BBC Belfast, and then they show some <laughs> Irish dancing or someone hitting a leprechaun with a stick or whatever the hell they do. So what happened was that in England and Wales and Scotland, they got to see the 20th anniversary special of Doctor Who. We get to see some local school play nonsense <laughs> instead. However, it's not all that. We had to wait 20 minutes. Oh. But those 20 minutes were crucial. That means every other Doctor Who fan got to see a 20 minute performance. And at six this or seven, sort of thing, that's really important. It's really important. And I remember watch, and then it comes to the point when you're six or seven, it's your bedtime, so you don't get to see it all. Oh. The last thing I remember was, if I recall, John Pertwee talking to the master from Bessie. Oh, and I think, no. Okay, okay, Declan, it's time to go to bed. Something like that. <laughs> and when you're six or seven, you don't argue with your parents because everything they say is the truth. Exactly. But anyway, so that was the way it'd been built up so much. We didn't but have I a video recorder back then, so... I yeah, well, we can watch it again. Get a video recorder, Mark. I think we got ours about eighty-five. I think I was around the same eighty-five, eighty-six. Yeah, actually, before then, I mean, once you missed something, you missed that it. That was it. Yeah, that was it. That was it. All eighty-five, eighty-six. I, I think the first thing I'm, I'm going to show my geek credentials here, but the first <laughs> thing I ever recorded on VHS was an episode of Star Trek. Sweet. And I'm not even a Star Trek fan. It was the one where um, uh, Captain Kirk fights the big lizard in the... the... Oh, the Gorn. The Gorn! Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe you know its name, Mark. It's sad, isn't it? Yeah, that's the first thing I ever recorded. <laughs> and it goes all fuzzy halfway through because we had a bad signal. Oh, and those were the, the days. Video. I've still got the video. But no, The Five Doctors, it was the, be the best. I mean, I got the book, the library book, about two months later. Mm. Well, that's another thing with The Five Doctors. The, the Target book came out before the program. Is that true? Is yeah. That, is that an actual, yeah. Did you read it before you, you saw it? Oh, God, I honestly can't remember now. I remember it having, uh, I'm pretty sure it had a silver cover um, with like profiles of the Doctor's faces mm, but mm. i remember reading it and reading it and reading it but i can't remember if i read it before or after the program went I think out I'm the same as you yeah i i can't remember i remember the book i i find it's hard to separate it from the story itself it was terence sticks wasn't it yes who wrote that's the book right. as well he 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 novelized his own story the the the, the thing that i remember the most is that in the trailer for the uh, five doctors, it had 
the first doctor by uh, Richard Herndl yeah. pushing pushing the, the Dalek down the alley, you know, pushing yeah. him down and the Dalek uh, exploding itself. Mm-hmm. I remember that as clear as day. I also remember um, the Shada bits. Shada yeah. bits. I, I don't know why I remember them. Well, whenever I watched it, they just seemed to stick with me because I remember thinking, that's the Doctor that was the one before. Yeah. Which I imagine a lot of kids nowadays think whenever they watch Matt Smith, they maybe have a vague memory of Oh, the doctor before yeah. David Tennant. He he's the one with the big sideburn. I just I just remember that having an impression. But if they're me. six or seven now watching Matt Smith, that's exactly what they'll be getting, isn't it? Yeah, if you're six or seven now, when did you start watching it? Two thousand and okay, you're better than math at math than I am. But <laughs> okay, sometime in the late twenty knots. But in any case, I mean. That's all we had. Yeah. I mean, that was, it was a, a remarkable thing. The, the thing with the five doctors is, I don't know, I may say, say something controversial here. Mm. I don't know if I counted as a Doctor Who story. Ooh. I don't mean to say that in any <laughs> provocative way, but I, I, I think I don't. It's, I suppose it's, it is, um, a separate entity in as much as because it was broadcast as part of Children in Need, you kind of look at it as like a, a feature-length movie. But yeah. yeah, I know particularly Doctor Who fans, we do like to obsess about continuity and stuff like that, but I just revel in it. I, I'm a big fan of these multi-Doctor stories. I know they're not perhaps regarded as the coolest or the best, but I just think, you know, to see those guys do their stuff, you know, bear in mind. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. You know, when it's a chance to see Pertwee, uh, admittedly not much of Baker, um, and Troughton again, you know, just to see those guys on screen again is fantastic. It's wonderful. I mean, the thing, the reason I don't, I don't want to get into any trouble here. I don't want to cause any <laughs> problem. But, the reason I don't see it as like I hate to use the word and I hate using it but canon mm. okay and this is gonna cause problems. Okay, there's a couple of reasons. First of all the second doctor. Okay, Patrick Triton. Yeah. Okay. He obviously remembers the Pertwee Doctor from the previous occasion. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. The, fancy the pants. banter that they have between them. Yeah, fancy pants. What do you say, fancy pants? And... Scarecrow. <laughs> <laughs> fancy pants and scarecrow. Okay, so obviously those two have met before. There's there's a a relationship between those two. You see it the first mm. time they meet each other. Yeah. Then you have the fact of okay, there's two facts. There's Sarah Jane mm-hmm. and there's Susan. Yeah. Okay. The Doctor hasn't seen Susan. Okay, the fifth Doctor hasn't seen Susan since he left her on Earth. Yeah. After the Dalek invasion. Mm. He looks at her as if he doesn't give a damn. Well, he's just a cold, you know she... cold swine, isn't he? Uh, 
Mark. Yes, he is. Maybe he is just cold. But it's or like maybe, no or just maybe. I mean, Robert Holmes is famous for ignoring stuff that he doesn't really want to follow up on. Maybe they just. I mean, these days in the in the modern show, they pay so much attention to the characters and the development and the whole sort of relationship between the main characters that you wouldn't really see that happen now. But back then, I don't think they were yes. quite so meticulous about all that sort of stuff. And very often right. you get characters leaving. And then the following week, it'd be a case of, oh, well, new character turns up. Who was the one that was on last week? Don't know, can't remember. It was the television grammar of the time. Yeah. Essentially, it, 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 it didn't matter. Move on, move onwards. It doesn't matter. No one's going to remember last week. We don't have catch-up. We don't have VCRs. Mm, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Mark, actually. But the thing is, I mean, the Sarah Jane thing, but Sarah Jane Smith thing bothers me. Okay. The way she was written I, out and then to have that, yeah, I do know what you mean. And then when she comes back, okay, okay, I know this is ret. What was it that you say in Blue Box? Because retro. Oh, um, putting something from the present ret- onto the retconning. past. Retconning. Retconning. Yeah. Okay, so when Sarah Jane Smith sees the tenth Doctor, David Tennant, mm. and she says, "You left me in Glasgow. You said it was Croydon, but it was Glasgow." <laughs> And then I never saw you again. Why did you leave me? And mm-hmm. every fan is thinking, but he did see you again in the Dark Tower in, on Gallifrey. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So my rationale for that is that none of them remember that. That's my way of squaring the circle, so to speak. So it's kind of like a more extreme version of the end of the war games where all of them forget. Including the doctors. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, Jesus, don't get me started on the war games because <laughs> the doctor sees Jamie and Zoe, right? Yeah. And, they, and they're saying, Doctor, save us, save us, save us. And the doctor says, hold on. The Time Lords erased every memory of me. Ah, but they didn't. Your mind. They but left the didn't. first adventure intact. Oh, my God, Mark. Thank God you said that. Really, I'm so glad that you said that. That's it. Exactly. Okay. If you want to be pretty and funny about it, it's annoying. But if you're just a viewer watching it, it's lovely. Mm-hmm. You're reminded of something that you watched. Someone in 1983 watching The Five Doctors is reminded of a Doctor Who story they watched when they were 16. You know? Yeah. It, 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 that's the whole point of it. It doesn't matter. Continuity, who gives a damn? The thing but is, these Doctor days, with DVDs and, you know, downloads on iTunes and what have you, you can watch these things again and again and again, whenever you like. Whereas, as you said before, you know, back then, it was a one-off. You got to see it. Probably wouldn't see it again. Exactly. And that that's the way it was made. So it they can take made. liberties like that. They can take liberties like that. But at the same time, I mean, I think that Say when they do the 50th anniversary now, mm-hmm. imagine there was a line in the 50th anniversary special where the doctor says, Oh, Zoe and Jamie, they died. Say, for example, mm-hmm. I'm just choosing a random example. Yeah. They died. I never saw them again. 
Is that fair enough? Is that okay? Can we as fans live with that? Is that valid? Does that overwrite the rest of the story? Yeah, I mean, there is a point where you can get so involved in canon and continuity. I mean, I've I've spoken about this on the other show, um, <laughs> and it gets to the point where, in certain eras of the show, they were so obsessed with continuity that it was at the detriment of the actual storytelling. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, whatever works best for mm. the story at the time, yeah should be valid yeah i agree with you and that was what robert holmes would do repeatedly yeah anything from canon that didn't really fit in with what he wanted he'd just completely ignore it and just go on and write what he wanted to write what was your experience of watching the five doctors well yeah i would have been oh 10 so i would have been sat there in front of the tv desperately waiting for it to come on you unfortunately. Did you know it was coming on? You, yeah, you, yeah. You I was glued well, to yeah. the set. You were watching Irish country dancing. I was watching <laughs> Doctor Who, <laughs> and it was great. You know, at that point, I'd only seen a little bit of Hartnell. So, although Herndall, I think he's on a hiding to nothing. Really, you know, you can't recreate someone Did else's performance. Did you know he wasn't the first Doctor? Because I didn't know at the time. Uh, I was too young to know. Even at that age, I was a complete nerd. I knew that this wasn't the, <laughs> the, the original guy. Um, right, okay. But because I didn't have all of those stories to go back and watch again, I just accepted him as the first Doctor. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I loved it. You know, it's, um, yeah, I'm a sucker for all that kind of stuff. I'm not sure how <laughs> it can work in, in the 50th. The only thing I was thinking of the other day, which could be quite cool in a way but i don't know if the budget or or if it would make any sense in a narrative is because obviously you've got if you're going to include all of them you've got the the fact that the first three are no longer with us yeah you've got tom and uh colin don't really resemble very much what they did Back when they were Not making the show, all, really. and yeah. neither do you or I. Um, no. But yeah, you've got those issues. I think it would be kind of cool if they had some kind of. They go through some sort of portal, and on the other side, when they step out, they're animated. So you go from a oh live action God. thing to an animated thing. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, like they, they for example, they go from. Let's say you take a scene from the season 18. Mm -hmm. The last Tom Baker, he, he walks through a door mm -hmm. and comes out the other side animated. Mm. Tom Baker sounds exactly the same. I don't know if you've listened yeah. to any of the oh, big yeah. finish. I mean, he, They're very good. I do enjoy those. Colin Baker, Colin Baker has, has grown as a doctor. I mean, he's, he's really... Um, he's still a sixth doctor, but he's become this whole other sixth doctor... <clears throat> but animated, you could see him as you want to see him. Yeah. You could see him as the sixth doctor in the coat and all that. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, oh I my think God, that'd be that's really cool. good, Mark. That's really good, actually. You could have an animated... They could all be animated, actually. All the doctors, all standing there Well, together. that's it. You've got, you got Matt Smith. He's in the sort of real world being filmed, and then he has to step through a portal to do something, and then he ends up being animated. And what the hell's going on? It's like a virtual... 
reality or some sort of alternate universe. And he Mark, runs into you need his other to Copyright this. Copyright this. Seriously. <laughs> it, that's too good. Seriously, that's it. That's how you do it. And also, and also, the thing is, you can have in the the the, the Hartnell, Troughton, and Pertwee doctors. Mm-hmm. You have the, them there. <clears throat> I don't know if you'd use voice artists or whether you just selectively. I th- I don't know. There is that. I talked to Peter about this on a previous one. There is that kind of thing about respecting someone who's no longer with us, and you know, not wanting to do them a disservice through you know not really um just wanting to put them on the screen regardless of whether it's right or wrong i don't know it's a bit of a, an unusual thing to do it is but what would you feel about recasting because we know it's already been done okay yeah. it's already been done with herndall replacing hartnell mm. okay now we know with an adventure in time space and time or time and space space and what time is it? space and time David Bradley's playing Hartnell, yeah. playing the first Doctor. Mm-hmm. You've got Reese Shearsmith playing Triton, That's right. playing the second Doctor. Would it be so bad if they played the first and second Doctors in a multi-Doctor story? Ooh, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know. I... I it takes just a little shift of the brain mm. to accept them. We've already seen them do that. We've already seen them in the the uh, that uh, docudrama special. Yeah. But imagine seeing them actually play the doctor. Well, I think if you go back to what we were saying about the five doctors at the ages we were, we weren't mm. that aware of the earlier we version were young, of the doctor, we, so yeah, we yeah. kind of accepted it. So maybe you know your average six or seven year old watching that sort of setup would go along with it. I don't know, but for your sad old fanboys like us who are knocking <laughs> on a bit, uh, I don't know. Because you know, I'm so attached to particularly Troughton. He's one of my favourites. That's the thing. I mean, Troughton, my, my two favourite doctors are Troughton mm-hmm. and Smith. I right. have to admit that they're, 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 they're the ones I love the most mm-hmm. i mean disregarding uh, no, not disregarding but taking into account every other doctor mm-hmm. i mean they're the ones i love the most um for me it's Pat and tom. So- sorry for me it's pat and tom really pat and tom mm. well i find this hard i i love tom i absolutely adore him i love most of his stories, mm. but I often get the impression that I'm not watching Doctor Who, I'm watching Tom Baker. A stage show. You know, it's like it's like a you know, like for example, if you ever watched uh Rick Mail, you know Rick Mail? Yeah. Whenever you watch Rick Mail in anything, you're thinking it's Rick Mail. Yeah. I feel that same way about Tom. Yeah. Even when he's playing the Doctor. I think, although, when you say that, I, certainly my take on it is that every Doctor that's being cast, certainly in the classic series, has effectively been cast to play themselves. It's one of those roles that, 
there's there's no i mean james bond has got certain aspects of his character that you have to adhere to you have to stick to but with the doctor you can make it what you want and invariably i know peter davison had a real issue with trying to figure out how to play the part and pertwee again pertwee baker davison particularly those three they play themselves really they do they do i mean especially Pertwee and Baker. Mm. I mean, Pertwee or Pertwee, um, <laughs> he's, I don't know, I think you mentioned it in a in another podcast, but this whole sort of action man, yeah, thing that he does, <laughs> yeah. you know, this sort of, uh, what's he doing, Venusian, Venusian, Aikido, yeah, Aikido, and all that sort of stuff, and you never believe it for a second, because you just see this big fop, with big puffy hair, um, clicking his hand about like a cockroach <laughs> looking for water, and it, it doesn't really work. You get the but, you get the idea that he's a very large and life character away from the absolutely. screen. Absolutely, and I think a this is very much uh, uh, bringing that character to the Doctor, and I think because he'd had so many years of being known for comedy that he wanted to have a go playing something straight and he wanted to be an action hero and I think that's the way he took it I think that what he did with the Doctor was brilliant and and especially in you know like in the first two series the part we did mm. you know um, from season 7 uh, was Spearhead his first from one Spears, yeah Sorry? Season 7 was his first series, wasn't it? Season 7, yeah, like Spearhead from Space mm -hmm. to Inferno. Brilliant. Terror of the Autons yeah. to... What was the final one of that? And the Demons, I think, wasn't it? Demons. Those were brilliant. Mm. I mean, they, those are, that was brilliant Doctor Who. That was wonderful. Yeah. But I think as he went on, coming back to the, the, the three Doctors... Yeah. It sort of, it did become a bit the John Pertwee show, mm. as it the same thing happened with Tom Baker. Yeah, Tom. As maybe it did happen with David Tennant. I don't know. No, I think um, Tom certainly in the early days, I think he was just loving the fact that he was actually working, because when they they hired yeah, him to work on yeah. a building site. So obviously he was he went from that to being a hero to children across the UK and probably elsewhere. And uh, after a while, because he kind of settled in, you get the impression that you know his tendency to want to add things and change the way things are done. Um, I think there's a complacency there, and it certainly, certainly that his last series last couple of series certainly the the penultimate one he's just being silly and and i still like it i can still watch it oh god yeah i absolutely do but come, yeah. come the final series he's quite morose and quite well he's grumpy tom he's grumpy tom yeah and, uh, and you know, yeah can you imagine him in the five doctors 
that Ugh. calm in the five doctors. Well, bear in mind as well, also, I mean, he'd only left a year or two before. So yeah. it would have been quite difficult for him coming back, having oh God, to I've play never second thought fiddle of it like to someone that. else. I've never you know? thought of it like that. You're absolutely and right. I'm sure Mark. they've all I got egos, like as we do. Yeah, it's like imagine you, Mark, going back into the uh, to help out in a job that you used to do. Mm-hmm. That would feel a bit odd, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it's very. Very strange to be put in that position, I'm sure. So, I mean, we shouldn't expect actors or whatever, despite how how iconic they are, mm. to feel differently. Yeah. So, like, if he had been in the Five Doctors, it would have it would have been Tom and Peter Davison. I, I I can't imagine how the Five Doctors would have been with the two of them actually with them both acting together. He would have dominated, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's hmm, it's a tough one to try and guess around, really. I'd like to think that it would have been a good show, but I think they had to do what they did, and you know, Tom at that point didn't really want to be associated with it, and you can understand that to a degree. I can, yeah, absolutely, I can. Particularly if you're trying to get acting jobs and you know, you're trying to get away from being known as Doctor Who, the last thing you want to do is go on and be Doctor Who. But having said that, he's always said, or he said recently, that he regrets that decision. Yeah. Yeah, hindsight obviously puts a different perspective on it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I I wonder, I mean, even when I watch The Five Doctors, I watch it and I see John Pertwee looking older. Yeah. He does look older. Mm. Patrick Troughton, bizarrely, does not. You can see it in his face a bit. You can see it in his face, but for some reason he works more than Pertwee. Um, Okay, Richard Herndl's playing Hartnell, Mm -hmm. so that's okay, but... I don't know. There's something about the five doctors that makes me, and I say again, as, as I said at the <laughs> beginning, it, 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 I don't take it seriously as a Doctor Who story. I take it more like a, a sidestep, a dream. Um, well, why don't we talk about a story that you can take seriously? Why don't we talk about Silver Nemesis? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God, Mark. When's the last time you watched Silver Nemesis? Well, again, I dusted off the DVD. Admittedly, it's not one that I watch very often. Uh, but yeah, you know, I stuck it in the old machine this week and, and watched it. <laughs> I I bought uh, okay. I saw it originally when it came out, mm-hmm. and then I bought the video. Yeah, it like had a green cover, like a green celebratory cover. I don't know why green. Oh, I mean, if you're a bit of a nerd like me, how did that feel, having all these uniform VHS covers and then seeing this green thing sticking out the middle of it? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, <laughs> it ruins everything. You've got the Doctor Who logo in the right place along <sighs> the other videos, and then Silver Nemesis comes along and ruins everything. Mm. To me, really, it looks like a it looks like a 1980s erotic European... <laughs> straight to video 
telly film. Are we still talking about the cover here or the actual program? No, the program. (laughs) Well, both. It's so bad. I think, I mean, I don't know what you think, but I think it's the worst Doctor Who story ever. Oh. One of the worst Doctor Who stories ever. Mm. See, I find it hard to really pick a worst because I always like to see the best in things. I do too. But, but yeah. I, I couldn't find anything there. Mm. It is hard. I don't know. It is hard, isn't it? Did you watch it when it came out? Yeah, I kind of... By the time Sylvester McCoy took over, I remember watching Time and the Rani, and for mm. me that was... How old would I have been then? I would have been about... 13, 12, thir- 13, 13, maybe getting on for 14 yeah and being that age it got kind of embarrassing <laughs> to watch um no i'm not being nasty to the the people who made no, it or no, anything no, like no, that no, it's just no, no, no. at that age they did you want the best you want to be cool had, you, know? you want to be seen yeah. as being cool and yeah. doctor who yeah. wasn't really cool and i kind of fell out of love with it for a while and i kind of came back to it when uh, Remembrance came on. Well, exactly. What would have made a better anniversary story? And mm. never okay, it was the twenty fifth anniversary, the silver anniversary. Yeah, I think Remembrance of the Daleks would have made a better anniversary story. Oh, hands down, it's a better silver story. Nemesis. Absolutely, hands it's down. You won't story. get any argument from me on that. I, I just I can't understand what what's the guy who wrote it, Kevin Kevin. Clark? Yeah, I think that's right, yeah. I can't understand why Remembrance of the Daleks, they could have just shifted the running order. Well, they shifted it a few times, didn't they, in order to get Silver Nemesis aired on the, the anniversary because um, they'd filmed certain stories and they were going to be aired in a particular order and then um, the schedule changed, so they had to then change the order again. I think it meant that, I've got to try and remember I get this right, the Happiness Patrol moved to, I think it was it the final one in that season. So, yeah, there, there were lots of uh, shifting around. Season, yeah, yeah, it was either that or uh, the, the circus one, Greatest Show in the Galaxy yeah. or something like that. Hmm. The only thing is about that, I mean, they said it was, okay, they tried to tie it into anniversary by saying 25 years. 25 years ago, it was the the, the assassination of Kennedy. 25 yeah. years before that, it was the dawn of World War II. 25 years before that, it was the dawn of the second, the First World War. Mm-hmm. It was just garbage. It looks awful, mm-hmm. and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's a really bad... It's bad by any standard of Doctor Who. I, th- I, I can't understand why they put that as a 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on in as much as... You've got these neo-Nazis, you've got Lady Painfort, and yeah. you've got the Cybermen as well. And I think there's too many elements there. I think it it's not helping the story. You've got the, the, the Cybermen who turned all silver and they can be killed by gold, which has already been established. Yeah, in, I think uh, from, from Revenge, revenge of the Cybermen. Yeah, from Revenge yeah. onwards, that just gradually gets... Uh, it just diminishes whatever 
standing they had and it just gradually gets worse and worse and worse and by the time you get to Silver Nemesis yeah it's um, becomes a bit of a joke I mean and and with all respect to Sylvester McCoy okay they must have said to him okay it's the 25th anniversary of Doctor Who we're going to do something special Mm -hmm. and instead he runs around acting like a buffoon essentially and puts on his little glasses and says, you will follow me or whatever he does. You know, he's trying to escape from the Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. or the Windsor Palace Guard. And then you've got the Nazis who look like they're just out of central casting. <laughs> and then you've got the, then you've got the two young guys strung up hanging from a tree. Do you remember that bit? Are you social workers? Are you social workers? Okay. That was for John Nathan Turner. That's his obvious obviously his little personal thing <laughs> um you know it, it's just it's awful it's not even a good story let alone mm. a good doctor who story it's a shame remembrance of, as you say remembrance is fantastic it's brilliant it's fantastic why didn't they move, why why not that because they've got totter's yard they've got everything going back to the beginnings of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Why not have that as the 50th anniversary story? That would have worked a lot better. I know Sylvester McCoy the- gets a bit of stick from certain areas of fandom, but I think he's he's great in that story, and I think he's quite an underrated actor. Oh, absolutely. I think he was working with the scripts he was given. Yeah. It's not his fault. It's like I Colin, mean, really. You know, he was, he was yeah. given this stuff to do, and, you know, he... Unfortunately, he gets the brunt of it because he's the the face on the front of the screen. Well, that's it because Sylvester McCoy in um, even in Silver Nemesis, he's good in it. He's a good actor. Mm. He's doing what he can. And I tell you what, you've got Ace uh, Sophie Aldrin, mm-hmm. and she is at her most doe-eyed, beautiful <laughs> gamine in that story. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. In that story, she really, you get the character yeah. in that one. And the story is just awful. I don't get why they chose that as a 25th anniversary, the, the 25th anniversary story. The real kick Remember, in the teeth as well. Sorry to cut you off. The real kick in the teeth sorry. is at the very end where they're kind of pleased with themselves, they've defeated the Cybermen and Ace turns around and says, oh yeah, just like you nobbled the Daleks, and you think they're even getting to the point of blatantly saying they've just repeated the same story again, but worse. Oh, exactly, it's even the same spaceship. Yeah. It's more or less the same spaceship. Mm. Um, the Cybermen, it could have been anyone. Do you not agree, Mark? It but could in, have been in, anyone. I mean, just little things like, in Remembrance, they do a pretty decent job of making a spaceship. You get to see it land yeah. in, in the school play yeah. yard. Um, and then you, you look at Silver Nemesis and you've got, I'm sure it's slightly more complicated than this, but you've got something that resembles a photograph that's been sort of, well, whatever the 80s equivalent of Photoshop was, and just kind <laughs> of effectively duplicated. And it just looks really naff, which it is really, a shame. I mean, there's a shot of the cyber uh, spaceship floating over the English countryside. Yeah. And then it lands. Mm. But you, because there's no shadow, because there's no perspective, mm. it looks seriously like you've got, you just held it in front of your eye and set it down. Mm. It doesn't look 
like a spaceship has landed. It looks like a special effect has been pasted. Yeah. It looks awful. And the, it, it seems mostly like that was filmed in on location. Yeah. Unless I'm wrong, it seems to be, and it looks terrible. It looks like a straight-to-video 80s mm. Euro pornographic. Well, if you bought it with that sensibility in mind, I think you would have been even more disappointed. <laughs> you would have been really disappointed. <laughs> you would have been really... <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, I mean, um, at the end, you've got all the whole stuff. Doctor Who, who are you, mm. Doctor? And I don't know, it doesn't really work because you haven't had any sort of build-up. And, okay, this is supposed to be the silver anniversary. I don't know if you remember around the time of the, the 25th anniversary, they released a book, uh, Peter Haining? Peter yeah, Hanning? Peter Haining. Um, when I was a kid um, for the 20th, he produced a book called The Key to Time. Yeah, hardback book. Yes, my absolutely. parents gave me yeah. that for my birthday, I've got and that. I read yeah. it from cover to cover. Yeah, loved it. I, I, and he produced a whole uh, history of the series. Okay, very uh, simplified version, yeah. and whatever. It started a lot of the the common fan myths about Doctor Who. That book, apparently, you know, the whole thing that um, William Hartnell uh, didn't want to work with a certain actor because he was gay and a Jew and all that sort of stuff, mm. which turned out not to be true. Yeah. You know, it, that all came from that. But again, what did he have to work with? You know, he wasn't being nasty to William Hartnell. It was just that's the information he had to hand. Mm. But um, that was around that time. And I remember it was 25th anniversary and they, they they had the you know Doctor Who 25th anniversary build up to 25th anniversary. Oh my God, it's going to be wonderful, and we get Silver Nemesis, yeah. which is just really one of the worst stories of that. I mean, really, it doesn't look good, even on paper, it doesn't look good. Mm. It just kind of feels like they they spent so much time and effort trying to make sure it went out on time yeah. that they didn't really focus their energies on producing something that translated well on the screen exactly i mean i think you'd agree what what other story would you have in this place oh you mentioned remembrance is the obvious choice isn't it you know yeah you look at that and it's yeah. just it's got all the elements in there it's got nods to the past it's got the daleks who you know as a kid i always preferred the cybermen and there's always that hope that they will eventually do a decent cyberman story we've got neil gaiman this year so I think if anyone can do a decent version of oh, their story, it, I'm hoping it's going to be him. I, I think he will not let anyone down. I mean, this is a guy, Neil Gaiman is a guy who knows his stuff full stop. I can't see him writing a mediocre Cyberman story, let alone a mediocre Doctor Who story. I love his work. I've, I've read quite a few of his books and... Uh... I'm no great reader. I'm not. My attention span has gotten worse over the years, but I think he's fantastic. And to get someone of his caliber on the show, I think it was a real uh, master masterstroke. Really. Do you think he will reinvent the Cyberman? I don't know. Um, it's kind of been left open because when Russell did his version, um, you had the 
alternate universe, which I think was quite yeah. a clever ploy, really, because it left it open for somebody later down the line to revisit the sort of original um, mythos from the classic series. Yeah. Whether that will be spare parts, as a certain friend of mine wants to see in this image <laughs> on, the, that, on the screen. Is that Lee? Uh, yeah, yeah. A chap called Lee Rawlings does a does a little podcast called The Blue Box Well, podcast. here's my theory about that. Mm. My theory is that the world that eventually becomes Mondas is the parallel Earth that we've already seen. Ah, that's a clever idea. That's the one. It somehow spins into our universe. Mm -hmm. This world where the Cybus Cybermen, as they they seem to be called, mm. um, somehow that that planet, that version of Earth, spins into our our universe as if our universe is the Doctor universe, mm. and uh, that's where it comes from. That's the way I look at it. I know you like to try and avoid spoilers as much as possible, so I don't know if you've seen this, but they do look quite different from the odd little photo that I've seen. They're not it's not a drastic change of design, but they are different from the Cybus ones. They are I, I, I have seen them mm. and I, I do think they look a lot different. I think they look more what's the word I'm looking for? Svelte? Yeah. Not svelte. They've they've is, ditched is that right? they've ditched the bell bottom flares. A bit more streamlined. The, the old ones didn't look as if they could run. Yeah. These ones look as if these could run at you. Mm. I'm scared the crap out of you. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm hoping it's going to be a doozy, and I've I've got real uh, faith in Neil Gaiman to do a good job. I mean, this is a guy who has written so many amazing. Apparently, in fact, his uh, new series of. Neverwhere is coming on to BBC Radio 4 Yeah, shortly. that's coming very soon, isn't it? That That's really soon. With and, Benedict uh, Cumberbatch. Oh, my God. I didn't know he was in Is he in Yeah. It? Oh, my God. Oh, so it's going to be amazing. I would but, hope I mean, so. I mean, this is a guy. He knows his right. He, he is intelligent enough to know both sides of the fence. He knows what it's like to be a fan. Mm -hmm. He knows what it's like to be a producer or writer. So he's going to, he, he will have come up with something that is going to knock our socks off, essentially. I hope so. I hope so. But we haven't talked about Dimensions in Time. We haven't. Of course, before Dimensions in Time, it was going to be Lost in the Dark Dimension, wasn't it? Have you heard <gasps> of that? I was going to say that. I, I, I didn't. I, I, I'm surprised. Oh, my goodness. I'm so. What do you know about that, Mark? Not what masses. You know I that? know um, they were keen to. I think initially it was going to be something that was going to be released for video only because at that point the, the show had been off the air for a few years. Um, and then there came a point where someone high up with the BBC, I think it may have been Alan Yentob, was in charge at the time, decided, no, let's put it out on the TV. Then, of course, the race was on to try and get it out for November mm. of that year to make sure it came in on time for the, the anniversary. And I, mean, I don't know the, the reasons. There's a few reasons that get mooted. The whole thing of budget was one of the key reasons that's been quoted as why it didn't make it to the screen. The other thing, which I don't know if you've seen, there's a... 
a documentary on the Doctor Who DVDs. It's called The Seven Year Hitch. Yeah, that's a brilliant documentary. It's really it's good. one of the best documentaries yeah, on the DVD. Absolutely. And, of course, there were negotiations going on with Spielberg and other interested parties about making a, a US co-production. In the end, they ended up agreeing to do this thing with Fox, which, unfortunately didn't really lead to anything else and that I think put the kibosh on it for once and for all. Uh, I think Tom well, Tom Baker was going to be the 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 lead actor in Lost in the Dark Dimension unless I'm mistaken. Well the Lost in the Dark Dimension it was going to it was going to start with the Tom Baker doctor the fourth doctor having survived well not survived but having lived after the fall from the the um, Ferros project mm-hmm. um, telescope. He would have fallen down, landed on the ground, but he wouldn't have regenerated. Mm. That's where it started. And he would have, instead of regenerating, he would have lived on as a sort of a cripple, essentially, mm-hmm. but would have got better, yeah. obviously. And um, they made they they proposed this series, and they were gonna this this uh, film, and he was gonna be the main star. It was gonna be Tom Baker as the Doctor. Yeah. And um, the the fifth Doctor was gonna be seen fighting the Cybermen. Mm-hmm. The sixth Doctor was gonna be seen with the Ice Warriors defending them. Mm-hmm. in some sort of intergalactic court and the seventh doctor was going to be I can't remember what happened to the seventh doctor but something that was going to happen to him I think he was going to die maybe he was busy so the... filming the air zone solution <laughs> have you ever seen the air zone solution oh I've seen little bits of it I've never felt quite safe enough to watch it in one sitting I, you know, no, my brain but, might but implode what, if you want to see Nicola Bryant be uh, be go to bed with uh, Colin Baker. Don't watch that. Oof, that's a that's a scary thought. Not 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 in a graphic way, but no. I think I've seen pretty... the clip where they're just sitting in bed and it's kind of like pillow talk. See, most most Doctor Who fans imagine being in bed with Nicola Bryant, but I mean, I know I certainly do. I think Ned Fountain does. Oh, Ned Fountain. <laughs> There are things I could teach that man, but um, <laughs> the the dark dimension. They they went so far as to film a title sequence. I did say I didn't realize that. And they filmed the Jim uh, Jim Henson creature shop created a Cyberman. I've seen. I think they were sort of design drawings, and they look pretty cool. It looks a bit like a. Cyber creature mixed with um, uh, Wolverine. Yeah, right. It looks a bit like that. Because mm. Graham like Harper that. was going to direct it, wasn't he? Graham Harper was roped into it, so they got all these people involved and and whatnot. And then the BBC made an announcement saying we're going to do this Doctor Who story. And then about two days later. They said, no, it's not happening. Because really what was happening was mm. the BBC were having negotiations with um, Steven Spielberg's company. I think it's 
Am- Amblin, yeah. Amblin, and that's what led ultimately to the TV movie, the Paul McGann TV movie. But you can be thankful that they didn't make this because it would have been awful. It would have been awful. Yeah. It, it wouldn't have been good. It, it was very much a continuity bit. You couldn't have watched it unless you'd known everything about Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, they, they went for that quite a bit in the, the TV movie, didn't they? You know, there's, they were shoving yeah. in the continuity yeah. left, right and centre. Um, but yeah, I still have a bit of affection for that one. I, yeah. do, I do as well. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. But the thing that worries me the most is that it would have... It would have... Uh, you think it would have killed off the franchise for good? I think it would have. I think it would have killed off the franchise for good, as you said. And I think it was really for fans. But you know something very interesting? About a month and a half ago, two months ago... Mm. I saw the script. The script is still in circulation, though, as something else. Okay. It's nothing to do with Doctor Who, but mm. it's still the same script. Mm. I Because of the line of work I'm in, I get to see scripts of things. Yeah. That script still exists. It, it's been anything remotely connected to Doctor Who has been taken out. Yeah. But it still exists as a script. And it's not a bad script. Hmm. It's not a bad story. It's time travel and an enigmatic character and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, as Doctor Who, it would have killed the show dead. Yeah. Whereas the 1996 TV movie, yes, it sort of paused Doctor Who, Yeah. but it didn't kill it. No. You know, you would have had, I mean... Tom Baker was the doctor in the script. Mm-hmm. And he would have regenerated. Are you ready for this? Go on. He would have regenerated into Sylvester McCoy. Sylvester McCoy would have died and a new doctor would have come. Okay. Which is a bit weird. It's a bit odd, yeah. Yeah, but I'm it was not sure for, about that. It was for video sales. The whole thing they were mm. looking at was video sales and all that sort of stuff. But we still have dimensions in time to remember. Oh, <laughs> Mark, you what? What? What are your memories of dimensions in time? I think at that time it was a case of there hadn't been any new Doctor Who on telly for quite a while, and that sort of nerd gene in me forced me to sit and watch it. And <laughs> oh. <laughs> Bless I it. I mean, it's yeah, it's great. They're all doing it for a good cause, and I don't know. It's just really bad. Oh, poor Louise Jameson. Oh my God, running around, yeah. dressed in this sort of the thing She's is wearing that sort right. of poker hunter's outfit with the oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh dear, poor oh, woman. What? I think she's fantastic, no. but. She yeah. re- it, it's and and a Lala Ward, yeah. Jesus Christ, she's sitting there in the garage, and she goes, "Doctor, Doctor Who." She even <laughs> says the line. Yeah. Oh my goodness! But I tell you what, I had never before. 
I don't know if you remember the 30th anniversary. There was a Radio Times cover. Mm-hmm. And you had Sylvester McCoy, Peter Davidson, Colin Baker, and John Pertwee and Tom Baker on the cover of the Radio Times. Yeah. All dressed, looking as they did at the time, yeah. but dressed as the Doctor. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. I don't. I remember, I think they were publicity shots where they're all sitting on Bessie and holding punty yeah. bears and stuff. And yeah. yeah, bless them. They were, you know, time hadn't been so kind to some of the older guys. Um, <laughs> Peter Davison still looked Even Colin Baker like at that time, before. he looked okay. Yeah. Yeah. Colin Baker, you could have seen him as a doctor. Mm-hmm. So they did all this, they hyped all this, and they did the 30th anniversary. Uh, I don't know who did it, published it, whether it was uh, Marvel or someone else. Mm-hmm. They published the 30th anniversary episode guide, every episode up till now, mm-hmm. up till survival, I suppose. Yeah. And they did this whole big thing. Anyway, at that time, I was reading The New Adventures. Yeah. Doctor Who New Adventures and all that. And uh, they said, Doctor Who's going to be back on uh, in November, Children in Need, blah, blah, blah. The Doctors are going to arrive in Albert Square, EastEnders. Mm, alarm bells ringing. So, yeah, well, exactly. But I thought, okay, I'm going to start watching EastEnders because there might be him. <laughs> oh, no. oh you poor be him. man. I know. I've never in my life watched EastEnders. I watched EastEnders. I watched it to see if there were any hints. Any like sounds of Tardises in the background, <laughs> anything. I sat there the first time and the last time in my life watched East Enders. Did you never notice Doc Cotton's badge for mathematical excellence? <laughs> I didn't notice that. Uh... This, that's Adric, Adric lives. <laughs> um, uh, I, I sat there and I watched it for like four days. Like, no, they haven't said anything about Doctor Who yet, but it must be coming. I was so earnest and so so much of a Doctor Who fan. I watched EastEnders for like two weeks before the Children in Need broadcast. Children in Need broadcast comes on. I've never been so disappointed in my life. I think I really think <laughs> even even part of me respects you for that for actually I, I having really to sit and so watch that for two weeks. I even bought the 3D glasses and everything, and the little pudsy bears all over them. Yeah. And 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 I sat and watched. And it wasn't and it? Uh, I might be misremembering this, but didn't they show it during Noel's house party? <laughs> they showed the second part during Noel's house party. Mm. Mark, they showed it during that. I mean, and John Pertwee was there. It wasn't a million miles away from Mr. Blobby, was it? Those sort of production values. It was so bad, and I remember thinking, "I I can't, I can't square this with the new adventures. I can't square this with Doctor Who that I've seen before. I don't know what to do." I remember thinking that I don't know what to do. So I take it you won't be uh, trying to get hold of uh, Ian Levine's sixty-minute redux of it. Or whatever it is he's I, done. I I won't even consider looking at that. <laughs> if, if that's the diplomatic way of saying it, <laughs> I I I I can't talk about Ian Levine anything because it, it it's it's terrible. But 
really it, it's the worst most embarrassing moment of my televisual life watching dimensions in time i bet you phoned all your mates and said you gotta watch this it's doctor who it's coming back i did i did i really mm. thought it was doctor who coming back because the radio times had put them on the cover yeah and made it look like it was a big 30th anniversary thing mm. and then when it came on and i'd watched eastenders for a week or two weeks beforehand waiting for clues that's the saddest thing of the lot i think you poor man i think that's pretty bad <laughs> i think that's pretty pathetic it was awful it i mean it wasn't even the fact that the doctors changed the fact that the, the companions changed so you'd like yeah so they all mixing and who, matching oh god mixing and matching so they all transformed into i don't know I believe the, it, the hip kids these days say it's a mashup. It's a, it was a, mm, I won't say the word I was going to say, <laughs> but it was it was uh, it was really bad. Do you remember watching it? Yeah. What did you feel when you watched it? <sighs> it was just embarrassing. I think uh, when would that have been? Ninety three. So I would have been about twenty. Oh dear. This is yeah, like an old man looking back over his life. You like Doctor Who. Yeah, I oh no, I just I think I watched about the I th I think I watched the first half. I can't remember if I watched the second half. I think I was that disgusted. I just couldn't watch anymore. It was really bad. And mm. um, okay, but having said that, Lost in the Dark Dimension would have been worse. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think that it was seen as a a frivolous bit of fun, just you know, like a a 10, 15-minute segment stuck into, you know, fundraiser again, and, and that was it. There was a time, Mark, where Doctor Who was seen in the same light as Are You Being Served? You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like a kitsch piece of the past that we, we, we bring up now and again to laugh at how we used to be. That's how it used to be. Well, yeah, I think that certainly before the, the new series came back, um, yeah, the show's standing was pretty low. It, really it, it became a bit of a joke, really, hadn't it? It really had become a bit of a joke. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be controversial, and, and I really am not, but I think having watched Silver Nemesis re recently, mm. I think, you know what? I understand why it was cancelled. Yeah. I understand why Doctor Who was taken off air. I mean, there were there were lots of things going on in the background. I think you had someone who was in charge at the top who didn't really like Doctor Who and didn't want it to continue. And they were having to do more and more with less and less. They were reducing the number of episodes. They were reducing yeah. the budget. And, you know, looking at things like Ghostlight, you know, you've got a, a four-part story yeah. squeezed into three parts. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it just kind of gradually came to a point where you couldn't really see any other option for them but to just to consign it to, a, it, you know... A, and to, to scrap it, yeah. essentially. If you, Mark, if you don't mind me asking, hmm. if you had to show any piece, or classic or old-fashioned Doctor Who 
to someone who'd never seen it before, what would you show them? Mm. It is a it's a tricky one. Um, I would probably show my my gut reaction would be to go for something like City of Death because yeah, it's it's quite close in tone to what the new show is. Um, so that would possibly appeal more to a modern audience. Having said that, if you sat them down in front of that and then made them watch the Horns of Nime and after, you <laughs> would be in for a bit of a shock. I love the Horns Absolutely. of Nime and I've had a love-hate relationship with that story. Uh, <laughs> loved it as a kid when I watched it. thought it was amazing. Uh, watched it again on UK Gold in the 90s and thought, my God, this is absolute dreck. And then buckled and bought the DVD and watched it again and fell in love with it again. But I think you can watch it in, in different ways. You know, you look at something like Horns of Nime and it's, it's you know, everyone uses the phrase pantomime. Uh, if you watch it in that well, way, it's, yeah. it's fun. You know, you're watching Tom Baker and Graham Crowden trying to outdo each other on the sort of over the top stakes. And it's, it's great. It's fantastic. I mean, Graham Crowden in that is just, it's, it's pantomime, it's overacting, but you know what? It's, it's lovely. That's what you want. I think he was That's considered was for the part of the Doctor at one point, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Mm. He really was. And, you know, that whole, you're doomed, you're all doomed. <laughs> you fool. You'll die. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> you know, brilliant. I mean, that, that's wonderful. But, I mean, you couldn't do that now. No. You couldn't do that now. But at the same time, you're absolutely right. I, I, I would be exactly the same as you, Mark. I would show City of Death to mm -hmm. someone. I mean, Caves of Androzani came out top in the poll not that long ago, and that's another great episode, for, in my opinion. I know uh, friends of mine aren't so keen on it, but uh, I, I think it's... I think the main criticism from some people is that it's it's not Doctor Who. It's like an action show, but I I love it. I think it's a great story. I think it's a great send off for Peter Davison. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great. The Caves of Androzani is one of the. I mean, it, it wouldn't be in my personal top ten, mm. but it, it it's amazing. It really shows you what can be done with these characters, with the Doctor, mm -hmm. and he's dying, and he's going to die, and he knows where he's heading, and he knows full well he's about to regenerate. That's the thing that I love about the Caves of Androzani. Yeah. He knows he's about to regenerate, and, and it's, it's dark. I don't, know, I don't know what it is about the Caves of Androzani, but it is really, really good. I think it's relentless. You know, as soon as he steps out of the TARDIS, that's it. He's a marked man. You know... Well, everyone knows at that point that uh, this is his last story. So each cliffhanger that comes along, you're thinking, oh, is this is this it? Is this where it's going to happen? And uh, it's oh, I just love it. I can watch it again and again. Uh, I think it's one of the best. I think it's also to do with the direction. Mm. Uh, Graham Harper yeah. is, is the way he's done it. Uh, Peter Davison. It, it's very subtle. It's very... I don't know what the word is. It's very... You don't get exactly what's happening until the last moment. Yeah. I don't know what it is. There's something about it. It's, it's sort of 
sneaks into you yeah a little bit you've got all the nice little subtle plot twists like the whole thing about um glenister is it robert glenister his character mm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. turning out to be an android spoilers uh and Shara's jack i think is a great one-off villain fantastic um and you've got morgus as well doing the whole sort of shakespearean breaking the fourth wall staring straight down into the camera and coming out with his little machinations i think it's ah, it's just got everything that i would want uh, from it's a, really a story. really good yeah i mean for me for the most part and again i'm probably going to get slapped for this <laughs> I, I tend to see the the new the new series of Doctor Who as the the pinnacle mm-hmm. of what Doctor Who is. I think everything that's happened since two thousand and five is amazing. Yeah. Okay, there's been a couple of lapses, mm-hmm. but Case of Androzani is up there with any Doctor Who story ever. Yeah. You know, I mean. You look at, uh, I know it's not very popular. I know it's not liked. I know that people get very angry about it, but the end of time. Yeah. Okay. A lot of people don't like that. Fair enough. Good for them. <laughs> but I would, I, I would put up the end of time as a perfect example of what what's best about Doctor Who. I think that's a brilliant story. I think that's, uh, okay, maybe not well executed. Mm. You know, the whole stuff with, uh, what's his name? The guy who owns the mansion that owns the art. Uh, yeah. I forget his name. That, well, exactly. <laughs> we don't get, we, we, we don't care about that, but it, it works well. Yeah. You know the fact that and uh, the doctor regenerates and what saves it for me cool. is the the stuff with David Tennant and Bernard Cribbins. I think there's oh some lovely God. moments. It's real, you know, tear It's heartbreaking. Stuff. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. And people hate the end of time the same way they hate the new Daleks. You know the Daleks that were in the the victory of the Daleks. Mm-hmm. And I think okay, yeah, it's not for us. It's for the kids. Yeah, and. I've yet to see a kid that doesn't love the new Dalek. Mm. But that's not our business. <laughs> um, that whole thing at the end of time, that's like the case of Androzani, Androzani whenever the doctor's in the cockpit and he's staring down the barrel, he, you know, yeah. he's driving the spaceship and he sees it coming towards him. That's it. He thinks... That's exactly the same as mm-hmm. the the end of time. I I, I I don't get why people are so much. It's part maybe I'm being too much of a geek. Looking at that, I think people will always have their favourites, and I think that's one of the things I love about being a fan of this show is everyone because you've got this huge expanse of stories. Everyone's got their favourite Doctor. Everyone's got their favourite stories, and not everyone will agree. Um, but I love that. I think it's I such a great too, yeah. thing about this fandom that, that that's what it is it's not like star trek you know everyone will probably settle on a favorite episode you know they'll always say oh uh the episode where kirk gets multiplied into two and there's a mirror universe mm-hmm. whatever the hell it is with doctor who 
will always there's always so much room for discussion and this and dislike and love you know what i mean mm, yeah it, it, it's incredible really i mean um i've met people who absolutely hate the tv movie yeah and i i don't like it very much i think it's awful but you know what there's people who absolutely love elements of that and loved the fact that paul mcgann's the doctor and he is the bloody doctor yeah. and you know what go for it that's wonderful let's not be precious about it let's let's not own it let's just share it you know what i mean it's it's incredible feeling really i'm getting too philosophical here <laughs> i was gonna say what a, a lovely note to to leave that subject on i haven't even mentioned the two doctors yet oh yeah Paris. this is this is your is this your favorite it's my favorite Doctor Who story. But I mean, that's I a controversial choice now. for starters because it divides people a lot, I think. I know it's not an anniversary story, but mm. it's got two Doctors and a story that links the two Doctors. And I think that's how a multi-Doctor story should be. Yeah. But anyway, we'll talk about that another time. So away from the subject of Doctor Who. Yes. <clears throat> I always do this. I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there something that you've really been enjoying apart from revisiting all these fantastic or less than fantastic anniversary stories? Well, there's, there's three things, really. The first one is being human. I don't know if you watch that, Mark. I've seen being the early human. series. I haven't been following the later ones. So I've seen, the, I think, the first series and maybe a bit of the second series. So I've got a bit of catching up to do. I, I, I would really recommend to anyone who's anyway interested in um, cult TV or mm-hmm. I, I'd advise anyone to watch Being Human, the the British version. Also, I've heard that the American version is really, really good. So mm-hmm. I'd watch that. I'd also recommend, I've been catching up on Old Red Dwarf. Ah, okay. I don't know if you watched any of the uh, the new series. Yeah, I did actually. Um, I what quite enjoyed them. That? Did you? Yeah. Oh my god! I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. Um, I've been watching some of the old Red Dwarf mm-hmm. series up till now, and the thing that I don't know the thing that occurred to me is that the Red Dwarf view of what is canon Mm. and what is official sort of changes with the weather well yeah it sort of (laughs) does i i sort of think oh goodness wouldn't it be good if doctor who fans thought the same way yeah the life life would be too perfect if that was the case have you been watching black mirror mark oh i've seen the first series but i haven't got around to seeing the second series so yeah that'll be uh Gracing my screen on 4OD at some point. Well, watch that. Watch that. But, I mean, especially watch Red Dwarf. I've been watching um, Weekly Wipe, which is another one of Charlie oh, Brooker's my goodness, uh, that's brilliant. outputs. That's brilliant. What about, have you ever watched something called um, Moonbase 3? Is that what it's called? Oh, is that the Barry Letts thing? The old thing, yeah. The really. Yeah, cool. I haven't seen that. It's awful. Oh dear. Don't watch it. Don't watch it. <laughs> Wait a 
There's so much that. So that's what I've been watching. What about you? What have you been watching? Well, I've been listening. I've been, oh. if you follow me on Twitter or happen to come across me online in other ways, uh, I've been obsessing about a Radio 4 comedy show called Cabin Pressure. Oh my God, that's brilliant. It is superb. I love it. it. Really I've come is, to this very yeah. late. So I, I appreciate there's lots of people who have been listening since series one and I'm just some guy who just Johnny come lately who turned <laughs> up and started saying, yeah, it's great, but I love it. It's, uh, I think they've just finished the fourth series uh, being broadcast yeah, on Radio 4. Yeah. So if you're outside the UK, I don't know if it's changed, but as far as I'm aware, you should still be able to get access to radio shows through iPlayer, wherever you are, whereas I know a lot of the TV stuff is region locked. Um, so if you get a chance to listen to it, it's a really fun series. It's... Um, it's brilliant. It's, it's like, um, imagine Blackadder goes forth, but set inside an independent airline. <laughs> I know that doesn't give a good idea, but it, it, it sort of is like that. It's hilarious. It's written by John Finnemore, who's yeah. been on other Radio 4 things. Uh, I tend to listen to stuff like the News Quiz and the Now Show. Uh, he's a very funny guy. He also stars in it as Arthur, who's... Uh, not the brightest guy, but very, very funny. Um, his mum is played by Stephanie Cole, mm. who's fantastic. Uh, she was in Tenko, if any of you guys out there have seen that, and something called Waiting for God. With oh, the, my God, with, Gra uh, with Graham Crowden, Crowden as course. mentioned before. Yeah, there yeah. we go. And uh, there's, um, oh, is it Kenneth Allen? plays um, Douglas. Uh, the, Roger Allen. Roger, Roger Allen, Allen, that's the guy. Roger Allen yeah. plays uh, Douglas who's the uh, um, assistant pilot, or however you want to call it. And then some guy called Benedict Cumberbatch. Have you heard of him? He's, he's been in something. He's the fellow who plays, yeah, he's, he's like, a, he always plays um, the little weedy guy. Yeah. Yeah. Was like it, a sort um, of, um, is it Sherlock? He was in that. Yeah, um, one of those things. So, some, yeah, some minor film called Star Trek. Yeah, two, something yeah, to do things with, in the, yeah. and uh, oh, the Hobbit is a, yeah, a very low budget yeah. film coming out in New Zealand. He's he's, he's in that. nothing important. No, no, uh, he no, he plays no. the sort of the I suppose you call him the main character. Um, yeah, and it, it's brilliant. It's so funny. Um, they're half an hour each, just hilarious stuff. You can get them on download from uh, Audio Go. I don't know if that's the case right away through the world but certainly in the uk you can get it that way i imagine you might be able to get it on itunes or audible or something along those lines but yeah it's really a worth a listen oh, it's, it's really worth a listen it's brilliant it's one of the best it's up there with blackadder and um faulty towers it's one of the funniest things you listen to so yeah that's that's my recommendation well my recommendation is if you have the chance mm -hmm. Either well, I'd say cabin pressure, but Mark's already said it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and if you don't have um, retrospective televisual opportunities, I I would say Red Dwarf. Mm -hmm. But I would recommend very much Black Mirror by Charlie Brooker, or Park and Recreation. But that's a bit too American. So maybe ah, maybe. yeah. Um we started recording that because they've started showing it on network TV over here. So, so yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch any episodes yet, but, uh, 
but yeah that's that's on my radar well thank you Declan for coming on the show it's been a real pleasure Mark thank you very much for inviting me I'm sorry for being uh, illiterate and intemperate <laughs> I don't even know what that means <laughs> well hopefully you'll come back and do it again sometime I really appreciate it thank you so much my friend and um I just hope that the 50th anniversary will be as exciting as the 20th with a Raston Warrior robot <laughs> with a zip up the back. Oh, yes. If you listen right the way through on these shows, uh, you may discover we have little Easter eggs that we like to leave. Um, you can decide whether they're worth listening to or not. This time around, we're going to do something slightly different. We got a listener to the show called Lee Wright, who's a really creative chap. We have some really talented listeners, and uh, he's a writer. He's also a musician, and uh, he goes under the the name of the Ephemeral Man. And uh, he put out a track uh, to download, and uh, mm-hmm. I figured it would be quite nice to give him a little bit of a plug. So wow, if you hang around okay. after the, the credits, you may well get to hear one of his tunes. The, the, the track we're going to put on is just him and an acoustic guitar, but he's done some really, quite frankly, disturbing um, ambient tracks. There was one I listened yeah. to a while ago that he put out, and it had yeah. these really creepy kind of keyboards and weird noises mixed in with the children's TV show The Flumps. Oh my God, the flumps! Yeah, the, the little <laughs> little bit. Of, are you are you you're like into electronics, aren't you? Yeah, I like all sorts of stuff. Oh my God, you're the same as me. Oh, brilliant! So thanks again, Declan and uh, Mark. Thank you very much, my friend. That was a real pleasure. Thank you. No problem, and uh, we'll see you again next time. See you soon. All the best. Thank you. Taken right out of this 
I try. 